0: Placed is a podcast about the geography of the Bible and the geography of our lives. Through Story, we'll explore the wilderness and the pastures of the biblical world. As we see how God is at work in every landscape, we'll find our place in the story of Scripture. Welcome to Placed. I'm your host, Kelsa Graybill. You can download a map and show notes for today's episode at my website, kelsagraybill.com. Welcome back to place. This week on the show, we're journeying with Joshua and the Israelites as they come to the Jordan River, what's gonna become their doorway into the highway land of Canaan. It's a really exciting moment where at the lowest point on earth, God elevates them. And we're talking about how humility invites us to trade in our vision, to surrender our view of reality, and to practice a holy imagination seeing the way that God is at work in our lowest places. Writing this episode has been deeply transformative to me and I pray that listening to it is the same for you. Let's dive in. Humility walks down, but it does more than walk down. Humility also surrenders its vision of reality in exchange for a redemptive vision of reality. You've probably thought about the fact that humility is directional before. Over and over again in scripture, we see people stepping down to serve others. We see Jesus stepping down from his throne, washing people's feet, and we see his people called to step down and serve. But you might not have thought about the way that humility also invites us to step down from our vision of reality. Humility gives us a holy imagination for our lowly downward places. It invites us to see them as doorways rather than barriers because of God's redemptive work. It's the Jordan River that shows us this through geography. In Hebrew, the word Yarod means down, and so the name Jordan means down. So it's literally a river called down how appropriate as we're talking about humility if i were to drop you down into the map of israel and you landed by the jordan river you would immediately see why this name makes total sense the jordan starts in the north of the sea of galilee at a mountain called mount hermon or hermon And from Mount Hermon, it snakes downward to the Sea of Galilee, and then eventually all the way down to the Dead Sea, which you may know is the lowest point on Earth. It's 1300 feet below sea level. It's full of a really high salt content. You've probably seen pictures of people swimming there and floating because of the salt. So not only does the Jordan flow all the way down to the lowest point on Earth, but it also flows through the Great Rift Valley, this geological depression that today marks the divide between the countries of Israel and Jordan. Its name down probably also refers to the fact that it flows through this great rift valley. And it's not an accident that at the river called down, God welcomes his people into the highway land of Canaan. There were so many easier, more direct ways to get there. And yet God invites them this way because he has something to teach them about trust in him. It's by this river that Moses steps down from leadership and he will commission his assistant, Joshua, to fill his shoes. Joshua has been serving as Moses' assistant for years. His name was originally Hoshea, but since he started serving as Moses' assistant, no one called him that anymore. If we backtrack to Exodus 17, we see that Joshua has been with Moses since the beginning. When Aaron and Hur held up Moses' arms and staff during their first battle after the Exodus, it was Hoshea who commanded Israel's army. This took place south of the desert of Sin at a place called Rephidim. Moses must have known even then that probably Hoshea would become the leader because. In Exodus 17, verse 14, he tells the scribes, hey, write down this battle, write down how God delivered us, because I want Hosea to know this when he faces future challenges. Moses is already intentional about mentoring him to have this redemptive vision of reality. And scripture doesn't tell us for sure, but maybe it was after this battle that Moses decided to change his name. Hoshia means, is salvation or saves, which is ambiguous. It doesn't tell us who is doing the saving. It could refer to the Pharaoh or the gods of Egypt or the gods of Canaan. For all the Israelites, no. Moses adds the prefix Yah, which is a shortened form of the Hebrew name for God, Yahweh. So Hoshia becomes Yehoshua, or as we say in English, Joshua. He becomes Yahweh the Lord saves. His name literally is a reminder of this humble vision, trusting God and not our view of the landscape. Moses doesn't want Hoshea to make the same mistake that he made back in episode 5. He wants Hoshea to see that God is the source of provision, not our actions. Moses wants his name to be a daily verbal reminder that Yahweh is his salvation. Moses is mentoring him in humility. He continues to mentor him on the battlefield, in the tent of meeting, and on the road. And Deuteronomy 3.22 says that he continues to encourage and support him and prepare him to step in. And the day of this transition comes at a river called down the Jordan. The Israelites are at a town called Shittim. You can see Shittim on the map for this week's episode at my website, kelsagraybell.com. It's northeast of the Dead Sea in the land of Moab. At Shittim, Moses lays hands on Joshua to commission him, and the spirit of wisdom fills him. Then Moses climbs Mount Nebo, and he looks west for his first and only glimpse into the highway land of Canaan. And with that taste of the promise, he dies there. Now it's Joshua's turn. Maybe you've been in a situation before where you were mentored by someone and then it was your turn to lead. Maybe you were a student teacher and then the head teacher left and you took over the class. Maybe you were a pastor stepping in after a founding pastor or a grad student learning from your advisor and then graduating and starting your own company. You know that this is the moment of testing, of transition. Everyone is watching you and wondering, how is this going to go? It's a lot of pressure. And at this moment of pressure, Joshua is invited to look up, to look up from the river called down and see God's provision and God's guidance of him as a leader. God promises to be with him just as he was with Moses and he calls him to be strong and very courageous, which he's gonna need because he immediately faces two large tests of his leadership. First, there's a conflict between some of the tribes. Three of them want to settle on the eastern side of the Jordan River. This area is sometimes referred to as Transjordan, meaning across the Jordan, And it's the region of Gilead that we talked about in episode two, when we talked about the story of Jacob, the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh want permission to settle there. They had worked out a deal with Moses. Moses had asked God about this and God had agreed, yes, they can settle there, but first they need to go to the west of the Jordan River and help the other tribes settle. They worked this out with Moses, but Moses is dead. So the question is, will they still honor this agreement? Will they honor Joshua as the new leader? And I imagine that this question for Joshua was really weighted with the burden of his past experience. Because 40 years ago, he saw how deadly tribal division could be. Twelve spies were sent into the highway land of Canaan to spy out the land And 10 of them thought that they could not take it. As a result of this conflict, Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years. But God invites Joshua into humility. He invites him not to allow this past failure to color his vision, but instead to move forward in courage and trust. At rock bottom, Joshua courageously steps forward and he doesn't beat around the bush, but he redemptively works through this conflict. He tells these three tribes, hey, um, listen, this land east will be yours, just like you talked about with Moses, but first, you have to come help us across the Jordan settle the highway land of Canaan, just like you promised Moses. Remember, guys? And they respond with faith. It's amazing. They say they'll honor their promise to Moses, and they even throw in a prayer that um the Lord would be with Joshua just as he was with Moses and they tell him, just stay strong and courageous. So this resolution relieves a huge weight from Joshua's shoulders, but then he has another huge barrier ahead of him because now he has to get all 12 tribes and all of the people across the Jordan river. This is normally about a 15 foot wide river, but the problem is it's spring and the river is at flood stage. There are no bridges. The melting snows from Mount Hermon have absolutely overwhelmed the Jordan, and it is overflowing with these fierce churning waters. What is Joshua to do? Well, that's the thing. His name, Joshua, gives us the answer. Yahweh would save, not Joshua. As Yahweh had been with Moses at the Reed Sea, you can look back at episode 3, So he's going to be with Joshua at the Jordan. It does not matter that Joshua is at the lowest place on earth. He knows the one to whom he lifts up his eyes. Humility means trusting that God will do what he doesn't have the resources or the ability to do. Humility enables him and Israel to walk forward in faith. And God gives him a new vision for what he will do there. He tells him in Joshua 3 verse 7, this is where I'm going to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know I am with you just like I was with Moses. And then he tells him, okay, send the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which is where my presence is leading you, send them out into the middle of the Jordan. And so that's what Joshua does. And He doesn't tell us if he catches the irony of being exalted as leader at literally the lowest place on earth, right by the Dead Sea, by a river called Down. And the people listen, they follow his instructions, and it's not like it was 40 years ago. The people are not deterred by this challenge. They don't try to control the situation or guarantee their victory. This time they relinquish their vision of the situation and... They walk forward in faith toward the Jordan, trusting that God is the one who's welcoming them to the highway land of Canaan. I wonder what went through the minds of the priests as they stepped into the raging, flooded Jordan. Did they know what God was about to do? Did they know that their steps of faith were welcoming Israel back? They step in and, as they do, the Jordan is stopped up, and the people cross on dry land. And the fascinating thing is, historical geographers who study the Jordan note that sometimes during its flood stage, there'll be mudslides in the north that slide down, and for hours or even days, the flow of the river south can be stopped. So some people speculate that maybe this is what happened. Maybe right as the priests, stepped in, one of these mudslides occurred further north, blocking the river. And if that's the case, it doesn't take away from the miracle because in God's timing, it occurred just as the priest stepped foot there. It's a fascinating possibility to think about. So there in a geological depression by the river called down, God exalts Joshua. And he turns this river, which is a barrier, into a doorway to welcome them home. As they step into the Jordan by faith, he blows them away with his faithfulness. Joshua's name is true, Yahweh saves. The Lord wants them to remember this, so he commands them to take 12 stones from the middle of the river and build a memorial on the banks, a visual reminder of where Israel was at rock bottom by the river called down. And that's it, they're home. They're in the highway land of Canaan, the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Over a thousand years later, another Joshua is going to come to this same spot or one very nearby. He'll come to the river called Down, and he too is going to step into the river by faith. He will come to be baptized by his cousin, and it is there that he too will be exalted as God's voice cries out. This is my son. I love him. I'm delighted with him. You probably know this Joshua a lot better by the Greek translation of his name, Jesus. He is the one who walks down to the water and he submits to baptism, just as he will later walk resolutely to the cross and submit to death. He shows us the direction of humility by walking resolutely down. This is the character of God, my friends. We do not serve a God who grasps for power or lords over us. We serve a God who walks down in love. G. Walter Hansen explains that, quote, The self-giving of Jesus expressed the very nature of God, End quote. His father exalted him because he demonstrated God's heart. Today, you might find yourself in a rock bottom place where things look dire. Our rock bottom places are an invitation to remember the truth of Joshua's name. God is the one who saves us. God is the one who turns our barriers into doorways. He turned the barrier of the Jordan into a doorway into the highway land of Canaan. He turns the barriers of our sin and pain and difficult circumstances into doorways to his salvation and redemption. Humility means surrendering our control, surrendering our point of view, and accepting his invitation to a holy imagination. The Jordan River invites us to dream of his redemption. Writing this episode has been particularly challenging for me because I injured my knee a few weeks before I started this podcast. It's been a long, frustrating, and painful journey. But this episode has reminded me to ask God for his imagination. To imagine how he is at work turning this injury that seems and feels so much like a barrier into a doorway. As I've been praying and reflecting and unpacking this with friends and mentors... Over and over again, I've seen God is teaching me lessons through this that I could not learn any other way. I'm learning a deeper courage, resilience, and trust in God. This injury, which I never would have chosen and truly long for it to be healed, is working humility in me to see how God is redeeming even the most broken and difficult parts of my story. He's the same God who parted the Jordan for Israel. He is still at work in my life today. It's not pain-free and it involves going to the lowest places, but he's there and we experience him there in ways we could never imagine. Humility invites us to cast our cares upon him and lean on his vision even when our own seems hopeless. As the message version says in 1 Peter 5:7, we can live carefree before God since he is most careful with us. My friends, we can walk down with confidence because we know that we will meet our Joshua there. Go in peace. Next week on Place, we'll see how God leads Israel back to the place where he first promised the highway land of Canaan to their ancestor Abram. He's leading them back to Shechem, and we'll see that he takes them to the base of two mountains, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, and at this place, which forms a natural amphitheater, he proclaims his faithfulness. We'll see how this scene becomes a megaphone of God's faithfulness. And we'll see how these moments of return or bookend moments, as I like to call them, can strengthen and encourage our hearts with the reminder that our Father is with us and He is faithful. We'll see you next time on Placed. Whether today you are wandering through the wilderness, making your home in a highway land, or resting beside green pastures, may you know the comfort and calling of the one who places us. Subscribe now to receive new episodes every Thursday, and help us out by leaving a review to invite others to journey with us. You can download the show notes and a beautiful watercolor map of today's episode at my website, kelsagraybell.com. I'm Kelsey Graybell and thanks for listening to Placed.